This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Wonderful World of Remnant Radio. Today, we're talking about the interpretation of tongues, once again, backed by popular demand. You guys stay tuned. It's going to be an exciting episode. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a crowd-funded show where we interview pastors, teachers, historians, and theologians from different churches and denominations. My name is Joshua Lewis, and this is my co-host, Michael Roundtree. Together, we want to help you break outside of your theological echo chambers. If you're interested in learning about history, theology, or the gifts of the Spirit, this is the show for you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I want to remind you that Remnant Radio is an entirely crowdfunded ministry. So if you want to support the channel, there are links in the description where you can give. You can give a one-time gift on PayPal or a reoccurring gift on Patreon. So it's five bucks a month. You'll extra access to content on Patreon. You get stuff like extended interviews, live Q&As. We have a book club that uh, goes uh, throughout the year. So this right now, we're in the process of doing the Screw Tape Letters. When we finish that out, we'll start a new book. So join the book club, join Patreon. You get access to tons of content like that. Now, we've picked up our conversation uh, this week from last week. We're talking about tongues. That's not to say that there's anything in this week that's going to build upon last week. Uh, This is a standalone video. Uh, But if you're out there and you're like, man, I've got questions about tongues and interpretation of tongues. There's so many questions that came in last week that we just weren't able to address. So I'd encourage you, uh, if you're out there and you want to write a question, just start it with question and then, you know, follow it by the question. So just write question out, put a dash, and then the rest of the content. That way uh, we know that it's a question and not you guys talking amongst each other because that happens quite a bit. I also want to uh, let you know that we are doing a live, not a live, we, we just released just yesterday, last night, a free mini e-course. It's got seven videos in it, ranging from uh, 15 minutes to 20 minutes, covering the gifts of the Spirit. It's kind of a cursory knowledge of the gifts. If you're interested in doing that, I will put a link of that in the description of this video. Uh, so uh, check that out if you're interested in pursuing that, going through that course. It takes like a couple hours to get through, and uh, it's a great foundation for those who are looking to stir up, pursue those spiritual gifts. Without further ado... I've got Michael Roundtree and Michael Miller. Miller seems to be stretching. I don't. No, I, uh, I, I'm, I've got uh, some beef ribs on the smoker, and I'm trying to figure out. I can't get the thermometer to, to connect. You're trying to connect to closer to the backyard. Full disclosure, Miller. <laughs> if if that thing says the internal temperature is ready, do you, are you gonna like? Is that? Is there a picture of me? In this video, yeah, you, you, yeah, you have I was a trying to tell you that. Picture. People you are commenting on it. <laughs> you have a picture. That's the wildest thing. Picture. I've never seen a picture in picture on. I, I'm gonna have to Dude, figure out how to we're undo getting, this. We're getting double the Josh. It's it's kind of fun. Right. I think we should keep it. What? I don't. What were you asking me about my smoking <laughs> stuff? Are you going to? Are you going to like uh, uh, ignore or not ignore? Are you going to uh, uh, you know walk away Break? from this conversation to go get your? 
Step off yeah. your meat off the smoker. I got priorities, Josh. <laughs> Beef ribs, Colin. You got to move. We, we we used to always give Basement Boy trouble because it, when we would start an episode, he would be eating. It would be like, bro, you have 23 other hours in the day. Like, why are you eating now? But then it, it came to light that Basement Boy gets slipped his food under the door by Sarah at certain times. And he doesn't choose the time. Sarah does. I never does, know. So. I never do, know. Do you guys know, you know that Dan, it's Dan life is in the building... Basement. Dan is building a remnant radio video game. So he's on Patreon. We've built a, an awesome community there on P- Patreon. And he's building, he's developing a remnant radio video game online. You guys will get to play it. But I think what he's doing right now is because I keep referring to my washer, like at the, at the studio at my apartment. And he's saying that he's going to have the washer like remove and there's going to be a trap door. And I'm actually hiding Miller in my basement. Uh, so that's in the that's video the game. right now. Uh, quite excited about that. Anyway, so you guys be looking out for that remnant radio video game that uh, <laughs> well, one, of our, thing to say. one of our subscribers has created. And isn't there like a comic book too? Somebody else? Uh, yes, the comic the, so the comic it's art so cool. has been made by yours truly. And Dawson okay, has made. written a ridiculous story: the adventures of Basement Boy and and uh, and Square Shrub. Yeah, so instead of round tree, <laughs> you've got square shrub. Yeah, it's, life. it's great. Yeah, a whole life. That's what I've been called. All right. Well, we should probably actually, you know what? Pentagonal shrub is what it was there for a little while. You know, like five sided figure, shrub, mm-hmm. round tree. Never mind. Okay. So um, we're talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues today. Where should we begin? Fellas, what's, uh, what's our initial question that we want to uh, start out with? Great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, we were like, we we were laughing so much before the show. I was like, "Oh, this show's gonna be interesting." I I'm just I'm just interested in what comes out this episode. But um, anyway, I'll start out with this question: How does somebody know that they have a corporate tongue as opposed to a private prayer language? Okay, prayer language is a common way of talking about the gift of tongues, especially in the charismatic. Uh, Pentecostal community, where the idea is uh, taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where Paul says in in verse 2, that the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men, but to God. And, um, and, you know, to the person who speaks in tongues, he'll later say, like, if it's in a corporate gathering, there's no interpreter, let him speak just between himself and God. And so, uh, and so the language of prayer language was sort of assigned to that. And, uh, and so, I think it fits. I think it's a language that is prayer. So that's cool. So here's the question, guys. If you're in a corporate prayer meeting, how do you know, let's say you get the urge to speak in tongues. How do you know that it's it's meant for the corporate gathering and not just for you to pray personally? Miller, Josh, what do you guys think? Oh, I've got, I've got no good answer for this one. Miller, do you have anything? Uh, I mean, I don't have a like... Here's a definitive scriptural answer. I have what's been productive in the past. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think we know any any more so than we would know. How do I know that this prophetic word that I feel like I'm getting from the Lord is actually from the Lord? Like, you know, in the same way that when you step out in faith, someone will have an interpretation. Just like when you would step out in faith with a prophetic word, it resonates with them and builds their faith, encourages them and comforts them. Okay, so hold I on. I want to interrupt. Really can I interrupt you, you Miller? Can Go I ahead. interrupt you? Because you just said you step out in faith that somebody has an interpretation. 
But some would push back on you right there and they'd say, well, Miller, basement boy, they, they would say, 1 Corinthians 14 says that if there is no interpreter, stay silent and, you know, just speak between yourself and God. So, um, so what would you say to that? Because I think this was another one of the questions that we were really wanting to come to was, uh, Miller, if we come with your approach, we're sort of rolling the dice. And what if there's not an interpreter present and, you know, a bunch of gibberish is put out there as far as we're concerned, because we don't understand it. And an outsider, an unbeliever is present and they think you're all crazy. The exact scenario Paul talks about where he says, don't create that scenario. So Miller, what would you say to somebody who, who kind of cuts you off like I just did and asked that question? Sure. Yeah. So there's two contexts I think that are important here is uh, the believers gathering like we know them today versus what probably would have taken place in home churches in smaller settings. Um, and I, I mentioned that because that plays into this answer. So here's here's the problem with this. The gift of interpretation cannot be discovered unless someone speaks in tongues. So that, that has to happen. One actually requires the other, which is actually kind of the neat thing about the gifts. Like in 1 Corinthians 12, when he says, you know, you're all one body. You know, if the hand says to the eye, I have no need of you, then then where will the seeing be or where will the sight be? And so the implication is that the gifts that have been sort of distributed amongst the believers in Christ have been distributed sovereignly by God, but in such a way that it actually makes us interdependent. We need one another. And we need all of the gifts to function as a full body. And so um, now getting into the context of it, so somebody has to speak in order for there to be interpretation. And there's also that that scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, which says, hey, pray that you may interpret. Um, so there's the po potential that even when somebody speaks, pray and wait and see if God gives you an interpretation, and that may happen. Um, but then also, um, I think the normative is, is that you would know who the people, who uh, you would already know who can interpret in a community. Um, and you would know that probably in a smaller setting where unbelievers or people uninformed about gifts are present, uh, where you're actually stepping out in faith and just seeing what would happen. And then in, in an environment when an unbeliever or a person unfamiliar with gifts is present, then you would hopefully have people identified in your community that already have a gift of interpretation. Um, I don't know if I quite answered your question, Michael. I hope that's, that's yeah. No, that, well, I mean, that answers like the question of interpretation, but it definitely begs the question on how do I know? I mean, it's it's a difficult thing to go, hey, we speak in tongues all the time. Like when I go to a worship service, I speak in tongues basically every time I go anywhere in worship. Um, and I typically kind of very quietly under my breath speak in tongues where it's, it's not audible for people who are around. Typically music's loud enough. It's actually pretty difficult in my Anglican church where they're playing acoustic music and violin. There's no like big PA system in an Anglican church. So I do, I, I might not always speak in tongues there, but, um, typically like, uh, when I'm in a, in a charismatic space, I kind of keep my, my tone down and I, I speak in tongues and nobody knows. Um, uh, but even then, like if I'm speaking in tongues, how do I know uh, now, like now it's, it's a corporate tongue and not a private, you know, personal thing between me and God. Someone in the comment section said, obvious answer, goosebumps, more goosebumps. You know, it's uh, it's a corporate word. <laughs> Let's move on. Next question. And I thought that was great. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but, I think, I think we have enough though to, to kind of make that determination um, based on what kind of both you and Miller have, have said. Uh, I think the first, the first hurdle is, so let's put it in a Lord's day Sunday gathering. The first hurdle is that there has to be an interpreter present. 
if there is not an interpreter present in a Lord's Day Sunday gathering, you shouldn't say it. And Miller, I was kind of picking up on a distinction you were making uh, between maybe sort of a home group type of setting where the gifts are practiced and there's no unbeliever present, there's no outsider present. And uh, to your point, Miller, like you can't know if someone has the gift of interpretation unless you speak in tongues. But 1 Corinthians 14 puts a prohibition on speaking in tongues without an interpreter. And so it's a prohibition in a that? public setting, right? Right, right. You, you take into account the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The context is not maybe a, a spiritual gifts meeting on the side, like maybe spiritual gifts 101 kind of deal. Uh, you know, in our church, we, uh, w- when I started with Jack Deere, uh, he used to call it school of the spirit. And, um, and so he'd train in prophecy, train in healing, uh, hearing the voice of God, train in uh, tongues, interpretation, all the things. And, uh, and he would just teach us what the Bible says. And then there would be sort of a clinic time and a practicing of the gifts. That's very different from chapter 14. And, um, you know, we've covered the subject of can you train for spiritual gifts before? And I think answered it super thoroughly in our past videos. But uh, we really shouldn't put supernatural gifts, so-called, they're all supernatural. We shouldn't put sign gifts, so-called, in the special category that you can't train for them. I mean, you can train for evangelism. You can train for teaching. You can train for the other gifts. Why couldn't you train for these and make a space for it? So, uh, and, and so, first of all, Miller, I would agree with your distinction there uh, that the First Corinthians 14, the context is a Lord's Day gathering. I think if there's not an interpreter in a Lord's Day gathering, I think we stay quiet. Um And then secondly, and I can't remember which of you that that talked about this, I think it was you too, Miller, um, was it's real similar to how do you know it's God, take it out of the realm of tongues, to prophecy. When you get a revelation of any kind, how do you know that you're supposed to share it? Um, There are times when maybe you shouldn't share. I think like take uh, Joseph in Genesis 38, probably, I mean, God is sovereign and he worked it all out for the good of everybody involved and for his glory. But probably Joseph shouldn't have gone telling his brothers, hey guys, I had a dream that you're going to bow down to me one day. Like maybe you should keep that one to yourself, Joseph. Joseph is actually portrayed in the passage as being a, a bratty tale bearer. And, uh, and that's part of it. So there, there are times when the Lord will speak to you and you shouldn't necessarily say it. And, and so I, I think... <laughs> It kind of comes down to, and Josh, I don't know if this is satisfactory to you, but one, is there interpreter? And two, you just have to seek the Lord and ask him whether or not he wants you to share it. And then you have this sort of internal sense. I mean, yes because or no. otherwise, otherwise we're just grasping at t- straws and making some kind of subjective standards that are not in scripture. I think that's the only place we can land when it comes to how do I know my word, my tongue is for the corporate assembly. I have to be asking God. He has to give me some kind of insight. And even if he gives me that insight, there must be some kind of interpreter present. Um, you know, or I understand, I ask the Lord for the interpretation of that word. Um, and, and here's the thing, though, I would say, if you don't have an interpretation for that word and there's no one present, well, well here's, here's, here's the question I would say. If it is a word from the Lord and there's not an interpreter present, that the Lord will provide you the interpretation if it is from the Lord. Because I don't think the Lord's going to like give you a tongue and not give you an interpretation for that tongue. Well, I, you know I would what I mean? say either provide you an interpretation or provide someone else an interpretation, but he'll, he'll provide the interpretation. Right. But I mean, in the corporate uh, yeah. or, setting or literal I, translation. Yeah. So, and I think 
I don't know if we all land on the same page on this because I, I feel like Miller might be a little more comfortable with um, maybe more risk in this department than Josh or I, but, uh, or I are. But, and maybe not. I don't know. But where I'm going with this is I, I don't feel comfortable with somebody just speaking a tongue out in a corporate setting and hoping somebody has an interpretation. Um, well, maybe Miller, are, I mean, are you comfortable with that? Like, are you comfortable no. with someone sharing a tongue and just hoping someone has an inter interpretation? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not comfortable. So there's a couple of things in here. Um, if I knew somebody had, an, had a gift of interpretation in my church, I'd probably feel more comfortable with it. But even then, I wouldn't just let anybody who feels like they have a gift of tongues uh, speak in my church either. Um, so there's a lot to this. On, on our Sunday gatherings, I'm actually pretty restrictive. The only people that really uh, exercise certain gifts are people that I know are members in the community and that we are in good standing relationship with and have known them for some time. So, and that would be true of any gifts. That's so good. I wouldn't necessarily be okay with anybody doing anything uh, without that being a prerequisite. Then if let's say they are a member of my community, and I know them, I probably wouldn't have them give a public tongue uh, in that case either. Um, I would want to see them do that in a smaller setting first um, because I, I want to have tongues be a, a above bar standard, just like I want prophecy on Sundays to be above bar standard and teaching above bar right. standard. So um, I'm, I'm pretty restrictive. And I, 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 does that surprise you actually? Am I? No, I no. I mean, because Miller, you and I are always saying um, Sunday morning is for the mature expression of the gifts. Just like we don't say on Sunday, like whoever wants to bring the teaching today, just bring a teaching or whoever wants to play a little guitar and sing, you know, like we, we have people who ha are mature in their gifting, exercising those. So same thing for a Lord's Day gathering when it when it comes to tongues and interpretation. What I hear you saying, Miller, is we want people to uh, the people that we would want to say put on a stage. Of course, I'm talking in a non house church setting. That's all of our settings and most of our viewers. Um, the person that we're going to put on a stage is somebody that we trust. We know their character when it comes to tongues interpretation, just like that would be the case for any other gift. We're not opening the floor up to anyone in the congregation to have a prophecy or a teaching or a tongue or an interpretation. I totally agree with that. So I, I'm not surprised by it at all, Miller. So, but, but you would say that there might be those opportunities, and this kind of goes into the very last question here that I've got from, I think it's RAR17. Uh, if someone has a tongue, are they coming to the front to get permission to speak? So like in, in Michael Roundtree's church right now, you've got people who've gone through your prophetic training. Um, they've, they, they know how the gift works. Uh, they're trusted in your community. They've exercised, I think they've exercised their gifts in home groups. They're like hand-selected individuals. And, you know, Michael preaches... You know, they do worship music after the worship music or during the sermon or during the worship music, people are lining up on the mic to give prophetic words, but they're trusted people. If someone decided to line up there that you didn't know, the elders would go and say, hey, you know, this isn't for everybody, I would assume. And then maybe mm -hmm. hear what that person has to say before that word is delivered. Is that typically right. the way you yeah. would do that? Yeah. And there, are, you know, there are a number of ways to handle it. I mean, the key exegetical point rising from first Corinthians chapter 14 is there needs to be order in how it's practiced. Um, so at my old church at Wellspring, we would have a rotation 
And uh, there might be two prophetic people who are assigned to a certain Sunday to listen to the Lord throughout that Sunday. And then at the end of the service, they would share what they felt like the Lord was saying. They would never make something up if they didn't get anything, but if they did get something, they would share it. And, uh, and these would be pre-approved people who were part of our prophetic team, et cetera. Uh, at, at Bridgeway, and, and both ways are, are really great, and I see a beauty in the way Bridgeway does it too, uh, and, and really like it and don't plan to change it, is, is that we have, in fact, I was just interacting with our prophetic team overseer today, and, uh, and so we have like a list of names of people who are, you know, pre-approved, so to speak. That is people that we've observed a mature prophetic gifting in. Um, and, and those people just have permit. We have two services and those people just have permission at the end of the service and a designated minute time to come up on the stage and share what they feel like the Lord is saying. Now, uh, Josh, to your point, if somebody tried to come up that we don't know, um, <laughs> what would we do? I mean, we, one, we would try to be gracious and not awkward, but it's a situation that we would uh, try to avoid giving them the microphone in a way that was not like shaming, you know? So yeah, however think- that plays out, it kind of depends on their approach. Are they charging the stage? Are they asking, you know, typically what will happen, it'll be like somebody might come up to me who's maybe not on the list and they'll say like, Hey, I have this prophetic word. And typically if I feel like it's the Lord, I'll just, I'll say, Hey, somebody came up and shared this and I'll actually voice it for them. Um, because God can speak to not mature prophets, right? I mean, that's Acts chapter two on your sons and your daughters. I'll pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy. So we should expect even children could speak prophetically. That's what Acts chapter two says. I know some people are comfortable with that. Um, so we should expect that they could, but, uh, if somebody who's, who's not mature in their gifting was, uh, got something prophetic, I would want uh, our policy would be it needs to be filtered through the leadership of the church before they share. Yeah. Uh, Michael, you said something that was helpful uh, for that, that should actually be addressed. You know, we would try to, if somebody was to come up, who's not somebody that is a member in a community or someone who uh, we're in relationship with and in good standing, uh, but they felt like they had something prophetic or they had a tongue to share. uh, I, I wouldn't let that person, do that uh, unless I knew them and they were a good standing member at another church mm-hmm. uh, and had a track record of accuracy. Um, but if that wasn't the case, then I, I think what I would say is I love that you feel that sense of freedom here, um, that you had the faith and the courage to step out and come up to us with this. Uh, however, I, we have a certain protocol and we require that people be members in the community before we would allow them to do this kind of thing. So, I think so that, would, would that, you guys in any circumstance, like let's say they're speaking the word of the Lord, if you will, and you're like, wow, this is powerful. Like this is for sure God. W- would there be any exception or would you say, hey, in the same way that the person standing in the pulpit has to meet certain qualifiers, every person exercising any gift has to fulfill some kind of qualifier. Do you have like a yeah. blanket rule or do you sometimes go, ah, I'd be willing to make an exception here? I, so something else we didn't mention is also the the fact that not every context is a big public service where you don't know people in the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my church is a church plant. I know everybody in that room and, unless we have visitors in. And when those visitors in, I change the protocol. But when those visitors aren't there and I know everybody in the room, there's a lot more freedom to do those kind of things in my community, even with people mm-hmm. that are less experienced. And And I always say that. I always make this little caveat of, 
hey, you know, it's a smaller night tonight. Um, and I, you know, I trust everybody in here and I trust that you guys will all find this valuable. I want to go in this direction and allow these things to happen. So th there are also obviously exceptions, and, but those exceptions are also determined partly by who's in the room and who's not. So, yeah. Uh, here, yeah. A couple uh, questions. Do y'all want to do some questions in the, in the chat? Yeah, you said something I, I do. Add? And I, I think I would say too, Josh, just to kind of follow up on that. Um, there's probably no circumstance where somebody just grabs a mic that nobody has any idea who they are Amen. and I let them prophesy from my stage. So I would say without exception on that, where I could make an exception would be if they came to me first and if I felt like the spirit was really on a word, even if I didn't know the person, maybe, maybe I would let the person share. I don't know. I mean, I think about like, you know, the synagogues and book of Acts where, Apostle Paul would just like show up and be like, okay, if you have a message, speak. <laughs> like it was actually a good thing they did that. Now it's not exactly the same thing, synagogue. Uh, but I, I'm just making the point that like- Our cultural standards spirit, are not the same. Right. And I'm just saying like, could there be an instance where I felt like the spirit of the Lord is saying, let that person share their message. I would still have them vet it with me but uh i could see that potentially Bro, there was this lady very abnormal. You, you guys ever been to a Rod rodney howard brown meeting no I've <laughs> no only, i have seen okay. videos i mean i i just see it on youtube sometimes it's, it's not it's not y'all's y'all's space it wasn't really my space either but i was just in a meeting and someone invited me so i went to this meeting right and there was this lady in this big red hat and throughout the service she was like putting her hands up and out and like spinning around and like it looks like she's doing air traffic control she was just like doing these like really really distracting <laughs> absurd things in the service Dude, and bro, my ghost reminds me of the sword <laughs> somebody who brought a sword to wells oh my god <laughs> I, I don't even remember church, that Michael? someone brought a sword oh yeah i mean it was like it was, it was a lady and it was like a real sword and, and jack had to put the kibosh <laughs> to that because it's like oh he's like put it back in the sheath Oh my gosh. Oh my okay. So this lady this lady's doing air traffic control, right? And uh Rodney Howard Brown's up on stage and she stands up and says, you know, thus saith the Lord. And he goes, No, ma'am, no, we're done. And like Rodney Howard Brown was putting a stop to it. I mean, it, it had to have been out of bounds if he was stopping it, you know. <laughs> it had to have been so way out of bounds. He was definitely out of bounds. He's like, he's, he literally said, Ma'am, we hey. put up with your shenanigans long enough, no more. And she kept well, trying to go. She kept trying to prophesy after he told her not to. And he's like, stop. Uh, no. Yeah. And he's like, Deacons, well, then he take her the out. Right thing. Like, like all the way to the door. Make sure she leaves the building. It was this big scene. Anyway, well, this that's, lady that's good, showed up well, in my church months later. She just showed oh. up. And I, I, I sat no down to, next to my pastor and said, hey, man, when I was at this Rodney Howard Brown meeting and this happened, uh, one of the other guys said he had seen the same lady do this in a Benny Hinn meeting. And I was like, I bet you money she's coming in here to give a prophetic word. And and he's like, we're on it. You know, so we like set deacons next to her. Like it was like this big ordeal. And she did end up deciding to stand up and prophesy. And he said, you know, ma'am, could you come give me that word later? And it was just real. It was much more decent than the other experience that I had. Uh, oh but there gosh. is a real thing where people in the charismatic community know that they're in a charismatic church and they just show up thinking it's OK to prophesy in a place where they have no credibility, they, they no qualifications. You have to know a prophet by their fruit. And it's like, I don't know your character. You just showed up. How do I know to test right. this word? Um, so anyway, that's part right. of the due diligence and, and of the whole is, thing. This is different from like, you know, Acts 21, Paul shows up in Tyre, T-Y-R-E, 
a city and he shows up in Tyre and there are some disciples there and they prophesy over him. And then, uh, you know, we don't know anything about those disciples in Tyre. Well, For all we know, Paul, Paul might not have was, known though. them. Right. Well, but we don't know what the relationship was prior to that. I mean, maybe they had no relationship. My point is, it's a different setting when you're just out on the street. Like, I wouldn't have a problem with people just prophesying out on the street. I, I mean, I think that's a cool thing, you know? Like, uh, but if I'm going to give somebody a platform in a church setting, again, the 1 Corinthians 14 situation applies to a very uh, specific situation. So I, I think it has a spe specific order and protocol that we need to follow. But one thing, Josh, that your story, like that it brings up is the fact that if you're going to open the space for gifts of the Holy Spirit, you do have to be prepared that sometimes you might have to do a little, I, I don't like the word policing, call it shepherding. Um, sometimes you have to <laughs> do- pastoral of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes you do have to do a little bit of shepherding. I mean, either of you, have you ever had it happen where somebody just started shouting in tongues at the top of their lungs during a church service? I mean, Josh, you grew up Pentecostal. This yeah, is that, probably every church service for you. That was my context. And, I, and I'd seen my pastor shut some of it down and allow some of it, just depending on the context. Um, but but I would just add on to that, that like, anyway, yeah, yes, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen the, the, you know, thus saith the Lord God's doing a new thing. He didn't do the new thing and he didn't do the last new thing that the same light he said he was going to do the first time. So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is frustrating. It's because <laughs> the kind of interpretation yeah, oh, in yeah. that I saw were ne never took place. They never happened. So Roundtree, you, you weren't there for this, but at the first convergence conference, this happened. I was uh, there. Some, I, we I was the there. Was that while, while, was that while Francis Chan was speaking? Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second because this is a great example. Thanks of what for we're forgetting about. I was there. I couldn't remember. You, you missed one of them. Me. Was it 2019? 2019, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Funny thing. Okay, yeah. So someone's. It's so unimpressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, somebody shouts out in tongues, random person in the audience. And Francis Chan is completely caught off guard. I doubt he'd experienced this before. And he goes, you know, did the best I think he knew to do and said, okay, let, does somebody have an interpretation? And then someone else got up and, and gave an interpretation. And it was like, you know, I don't remember exactly, but I, my recollection is like King James English, oh, yeah, I say to the people kind of thing. But I, I remember thinking to myself that this should have been stopped. Somebody should have, uh, probably Sam or, or one of the others leading the conference should have stepped in and said, hey, uh, we didn't give you a microphone. We haven't invited you to come do this. I love your zeal, but that's not really what uh, the way we are, we're conducting these meetings. Um, so I, th I think when you open the door to these things, though, that can kind of attract that crowd and you have to be ready to uh, address it. And what it'll do for your community at large, though, when you do address it is it'll actually help ensure, OK, we're not going off the rails like we're still having orderly, godly uh, uh, believers gatherings. Yeah, and the second time, the second you offer communion, you're creating a potential for someone to be taking the table in an unworthy fashion, right? So at the beginning of all of our services, like in an Anglican context, even when I wasn't, you know, I was in, at the village, they would often say, look, guys, um, this is for baptized believers who are in right standing with their church. Um, if you are walking with Christ, you have faith in Christ, you know, you've been baptized, we welcome you to come and take the table. If you haven't, you know, place your hands over your chest like this. We're going to pray for you when you come up to take the table. 
Um, and and they're they still come up. They're not they're not viewed as outsiders. They they receive prayer from the community, but but you still have the opportunity for someone to lie, right? Like that's totally a, a possibility. Mm-hmm. They can totally do that. And the second you introduce audience participation, which as the church, that's something that we do is we participate as a community. Some have a teaching, some have a tongue, some have an interpretation, some prophesy, right? Like the community comes together. You're going to create opportunity for those things to be done inappropriately, right? Because right. the average attender is not a professional. They're not coming in here with all the theological, you know, uh, acquiem. So all you can do in the clear conscience is set the guidelines and set the rules and say, this is how we're going to practice this in our context. And then hope that people follow suit with that. If you find out that right. someone takes the table and they're, you know, living with their fiance and they're not married and then you go, Hey, you can't do this anymore. You, 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 yeah. you exercise that shepherding. You don't want to police them, Michael. You want to shepherd them into there you go. Uh, the right, yeah. the right posture. Well, and, and to be fair in that convergence conference, I think my thought is, uh, is that you know Chan was on Chan was the one who was on the stage. I would imagine that the leaders are probably kind of like waiting. What is Francis Chan going to do in this situation? Yeah. To your point, Miller, I think that he did the best that he could. Uh, you know, I had it happen in my last church one time when somebody spoke in tongues really loudly in a meeting, and I mean it was like toward the beginning of my uh, pastorate there, and uh, and I remember saying something to the effect of. Okay, so because here are the dynamics I'm thinking about in my mind. I've got the order that 1 Corinthians 14 speaks about, uh, and I don't know this guy. This guy was like a, a random person who had come to church that day. He shouted out loud in tongues unmistakably, so every person in the room heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I I How wasn't on the stage. It like he was gonna get. He got through maybe 60 seconds of it before anyone could even say it. Like he was done by the time anyone could say anything. So I have like this person's heart that I want to shepherd, even though I think that was wrong. I don't want to like completely shame him. I don't want everyone else in the church to think like this is, uh, oh, I guess this is just how church is supposed to be done. I don't want the unbeliever who's coming in to think like, I don't love Jesus now because of that. Like there are so many like dynamics I'm thinking about. And so uh, what I said was something to the effect of, Okay, guys, so if you're unfamiliar with that, that's what the Bible calls the gift of tongues. It's a true gift from God, and it's a, it's a wonderful gift from God. And uh, thank you for, uh, or I'm, I'm glad that you, I, I can't remember, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't, didn't say I'm glad or I'm thankful, but I, I said something to try to affirm, like, so you definitely have the gift of tongues, you know, something to that effect. Um, and, uh, one thing you might not know because you haven't been to this church before is we tend to only practice that if, uh, if there's an interpreter, uh, interpreter present, uh, because that's the order prescribed in first Corinthians 14 in our understanding. So, uh, but given that that tongue is already out there to, out here, does anyone have an interpretation of it and kind of just walked through that process, trying to not shame him to show that we do have order, uh, and, and like that. And so, uh, anyway, and I'll be honest, no one had an interpretation. So it was just kind of like, okay, well, we move on. But it was clear to everyone, we're not going to do that anymore. And I think that's part of the, even that is part of the danger of sharing a tongue when you don't know whether there's an interpreter there. Because if there had been an unbeliever in the room, and I'm sure there were a few, they could have walked away saying that's crazy. Um, <laughs> These so comments, maybe- Michael, are hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are they saying? No, it's not you, man. You should see the comments. <laughs> read one. Read one. <laughs> but what about barbecue? <laughs> what if they pan to Miller in barbecue sauce? <laughs> the other okay. one. The other one was I've only. I've only seen it once where a guy goes full meat puppet with the prophecy during a sermon in an AG church. He shut it down immediately from the pulpit. Bro, I'm dying with these comments. I've had to silence my mic as some of these comments are coming in. (laughs) You guys. (laughs) Anyway. Well, so here's the deal, guys. Here's a question I want to ask. If if you're going to go in on the gifts and it's going to require that occasionally you have to put up with awkward moments. Well, let me ask this and, and Miller, I'll well, actually you, but I'll ask just both of you. How much do you see this? Like given what your experience is, let's say in charismatic churches that, that don't go charismatic crazy, how much does this kind of event pop up? Number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, why is it worth it? If that kind of mess is going to sometimes happen. Yeah. I bet it would show up more in in like Miller's church and Miller's context because he's teaching on it, asking people to pursue it, explaining how it functions. Whereas in my context, the only thing that was explained about tongues was that you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you you can speak in tongues. So you need to speak in tongues quickly. So hurry up Which and get it. And is also, not our belief, right? That's not our belief. But like in the classical Pentecostal tradition, that was the that was the rub. Like you can have a, an indwelling work of the Spirit for salvation, but if you want the Spirit upon you for power, they would say. You need to speak in tongues. That's the baptism of the spirit, they would say, right? And um, so the, the, we push, pursue for that, pursue for that, pursue for that. And a lot of them would speak in tongues. Granted, you know, I think 50% of the Pentecostal church speaks in tongues, uh, which is a solid bummer when you consider that the other 50% don't and they think that they're the have-nots of the group. Um, but even then, I, there was probably two people in my church that would give a word in tongues uh, at any given moment. And they would give that word in tongues once every six months like it was actually a pretty infrequent thing when it happened um and and all that to say was because there wasn't any teaching on it no one knew how to do it nobody knew what it would what would what would happen they also knew that there was text of scripture that seemed to prohibit uh, tongues without interpretation now we could all speak in tongues and, and sing in tongues and pray in tongues as a, a corporate group because we were taught that that was acceptable and the kind of tongues that required an interpretation was a kind of message in tongues, like some kind of second gift, which again, we've already explained in our last video, we don't hold that position. But because of that, there was a kind of worry about giving a word in tongues. Well, maybe there's not an interpreter, maybe I'll get in trouble. So they just didn't do it at all. Um, so the only people who would give tongues were you know, two ladies and they would always give their own interpretation. So they were always confident that it was acceptable. Um, but also in the classical Pentecostal tradition, I didn't see a lot of prophecy. Um, there was like a subculture in our college group. They practiced the, the the gifts of the spirit more frequently, but as a church whole, we did not prophesy. Steve actually gave a couple. Steve Hill he he gave a couple of, um, I don't know, disparaging approaches to prophecy. He was all for prophecy, the gift of prophecy, but he also felt like it it caused power struggles in former churches, and he was just very vocal about that. Which mm. you know, evangelism is the big I, gift there. I, I, I wonder how much even for myself, because I'll be, I mean, I speak in tongues personally, privately all the time. I mean, every day, lots. I mean, just kind of anytime I'm anywhere, I'm probably, you might see my mouth doing one of these, blah, 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 blah. You, you know, not, th- that wasn't me in tongues. I'm just saying, <laughs> I speak in tongues all the time. <laughs> but um, 
You know, in a corporate gathering, I have a whole lot more. We, I mean, prophetic is uh, typically it's been the direction that we've gone. I've only had a few experiences from a stage of tongues and interpretation in my entire pastorate, even though I make space for all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Josh, I wonder how much even for me, just being perfectly honest, like you mentioned, like Steve Hill had some negative experiences with prophecy, so kind of shied away from it a little bit, even though he believed in it wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, for me, I just, cause I got saved in a, in a very Pentecostal church and I had some, you know, negative experiences with tongues and interpretation. And so I don't know, I'm just assessing myself here, wondering how much of that, that I, I might have, cause honestly, we really should make space for all the gifts to flourish. Yeah. I would imagine Miller, you probably see more people trying this. I would imagine. Yeah, well, I would say I've seen people trying it and doing it successfully to the benefit of everybody who was a part of it. So um, now in my own service, we don't we don't do this much, although I have. Um, but I also know people in my community that have a gift of interpretation. So I've, I'm quite uh, less afraid to do that without, you know, repercussion. And I trust those people. So my, my wife being one of them. Um, and now, granted, she doesn't always understand everything. She usually gets bits and pieces of it. Uh, it and I'd say it's partly because the gift falls out of practice. But I would say that this is actually an incredibly neglected gift across the board, um, that it's not something that we value. It's not something we pray for. I mean, interpretation, that is. Um, and I think it's because there's a whole brand of, of Pentecostal charismatic Christianity that says you don't need it. You don't need interpretation. Um that you should just be able right. to speak whenever you want, and that's whatever it is. Worship so, leader, preacher, just break into speaking in tongues at any given moment, lead the whole congregation speaking in tongues. Somebody was asking about that. We addressed in our last video. We don't think that's good. We don't think it's ever good. No. You know, everybody's singing tongues no. at the same time. Now, and I say ever in a church meeting. If you're outside of a church meeting, you got a prayer meeting of 15 Christians, and you know you're all Christians, you're just in somebody's house. Yeah, sing in tongues all you want is my policy. I don't I don't think that 1 Corinthians 14 applies to that. I think it's applying to an outsider coming in. So, uh, But on a Lord's Day gathering um, where an unbeliever might walk in, I, I think we, we definitely avoid that. Uh, one thing, too, I want to mention is that, you know, that story that I shared from my, uh, my past church was it happened once. And in fact, I would say this was probably the biggest surprise to me in senior pastoring a church, uh, I guess, for the last for the prior 10 years in the gifts of the Holy Spirit was how rarely I actually did have to in any significant way shepherd what was happening. And what I mean by that is like, you know, here you've heard me say like, hey, you're, you might have to do a little policing or shepherding if you're going to open up to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There will occasionally be some crazy things that happen. That is true. But I think the key word is occasionally. Because if you build a culture, now I, I know not most of you aren't senior pastors, um, but if your church has a culture where the gifts are practiced in an orderly way, and that culture is just understood and administered by that senior pastor, by the eldership, if that's a priority to your eldership, I just want to make make sure you know, like you don't really need to be afraid about cr like crazy stuff, like coming out all the time, like it'll occasionally happen and you have that culture there and, and that culture guides your congregation. So they know like, these are the kind of, <laughs> you share words like this, not like that. You share these kind of words, not those kind. like, 
anyway, like there, there's just like that culture in place. The word of the scripture sure. always trumps prophecy, etc. And um, I don't think we need to be like terrified of like crazy, insane messes all the time. I, I mean, I, I want to bring that clarification. So I'll give you some examples, I think, that were helpful in the past of how we practiced this and actually searched out these gifts. Um, and I think uh, ideally, the fact is most of the gifts are probably not going to be operative on our Sunday service. Uh, you know, there's just there's just usually not, we have a, a limited amount of time that we work with. We're not like the early church that meets for hours on end. However, I always, uh, in every church I've been a part of, I've always had a separate night where we explore the the gifts and, and that is usually a two to three hour evening where there's worship and then there's room to really explore the space where often we know everybody in that room or they, you know, many times people would come from other churches that were interested in these gifts and they're, they're not being taught in those communities. Um, which by the way, that, that's kind of a lesson to get any, any pastors listening to this. If you have people in your church that believe the gifts are for today and you do not provide them any kind of teaching or training, they will find it. They will go to other churches to get it so and true. get it from the kind of people you don't want them to get it from. Agreed. So you want to make space for mm -hmm. it. But, but that said, we would seek this stuff out and practice. So we would have a night set aside to train or to learn about the gifts of the spirit. And on the tongues and interpretation night, it was quite common for, uh, either myself or someone else that I know that's on my equipping team to speak in a tongue publicly. And I would tell everybody and give them all the instructions on the front end. All right, we're, we're going to trust that God's going to give an interpretation to this tongue prior to us doing it. And so if you would, uh, those of you in the room, you may, you may have a gift and not realize it. We would like all of you, though, to just listen and uh, we'll pray and ask the Lord to give one of you an interpretation or to give that gift to people in this community who may not have had it previously. And so um, in those environments, we've seen a lot of stuff happen. Now, here's an interesting thing that happened one night is uh, I gave a public tongue to this group. Now, it was a group of about 50, 60 people. Again, this wasn't our main service um, where I had several people in the room understand what I was saying, but only because I was using a lot of similar uh, words that are found in Spanish. And these were native Spanish speakers. And then I also had people who were given a gift of interpretation and all of them heard me speaking about the same things. So I, I think on. that's so, one of the, so is that like a mixture too. then Miller, was that like a mixture of acts to human language tongues and like first Corinthians 14, what appear to be some kind of heavenly language tongues? Like, were you but doing both? Like, what does that I think even that mean? Inter an interpretation of tongue can be a human language. Like I think I can speak in Portuguese and Miller who doesn't understand Portuguese can hear right. me and interpret it. But the it. So, Spanish speakers should have understood it all if it was all in Spanish. It sounds like but it wasn't all in Spanish. But if it was Portuguese, which Miller has been Portuguese. known to speak, they would oh, only understand parts of it. Yeah, and that's... Okay. that's I, I have had people understand me in fluent Portuguese on numerous occasions. Okay, because um, Portuguese, there's it, a massive uh, crossover. Similarity, Spanish. Right, yeah. yeah. Now, that's fascinating. Sorry. Miller, when you speak in tongues, I mean, you of all people, like... When I speak in tongues, it's pretty. It sounds it sounds very <laughs> much not like a human. Language. You and me sound like we're from the 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 mountains. We're like our tongues is Hicks tongues. Miller's got them fancy tongues. <laughs> I I don't know that mine sound like Hick tongues. Nah, it does. It does. Don't dodge the bullet, Michael. It's a Hick tongue. <laughs> but Miller, dude, Miller has like your tongues sound like a legit Portuguese or something like that. I don't know. 
I, I almost want to like test it with some Portuguese I'll, people. Let's get some Google right Translate now. going. I've, I've tried to. I've, honestly, I've, I've tried to do it in Google Translate. I can't ever get anything. Like, I never. I never... <laughs> Hold on. I don't you get it. You tried tongues in Google Translate? That's the best. <laughs> yeah. That's so I mean, funny. why not? Why? When you have a why bunch of Portuguese people it? coming up to you from separate events saying, hey, you're speaking oh, perfect dude. Portuguese, and you're like, my tongues sound different than everyone. I wonder if I'm always speaking Portuguese. That would be dope. Uh, I would do it. Who wouldn't do that? Well, here's the other thing is I, I, it hasn't always been that I've had people, uh, I've had some who understand certain words in Italian, uh, some understand certain words in French. Um, now, I mean, it's the weird thing, but it, it is some sort of, this is my experience. Whatever I'm speaking is some sort of romance language. It, it's, it's that kind of thing. And I, whether it's earthly or an amalgamation of several earthly languages or angelic, I really don't know. I don't understand it and I don't understand how it works. I just know that this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. So let's, let's do some questions in here. Cause we've got, a, I've, I've noted like 20 questions. Okay. Okay. Uh, even <laughs> if they have the, uh, the gift, how do you know that they're going to get the interpretation? Well, uh, we've kind of already talked about that one loosely. Is there anything yeah. you want to say on that one? Um, you know, I would say for me, like, uh, I would be against speaking in tongues if you have no knowledge that an interpreter is present. Now, I am, I'm kind of on the fence, guys, on like, let's say you know a few interpreters are present and you have experience with them and they typically get an interpretation. Would I have somebody speak in tongues with a public tongue without having like maybe stood off to the side, tested it with them, got the interpretation, you know, made sure they had it all together and then presented it. I don't know. I, I think I might be comfortable with that. If as long as the interpreters had like a proven track record that they typically do get an interpretation, but I can see an argument for, you know what, you really need to like go off to some corner of the auditorium. Again, I'm speaking kind of a Western church context, go into some corner of the auditorium, make sure that they have the interpretation and then come up and share. Um, I mean, that's certainly the safe route, but I, I might be open to it if, if there were some known definite interpreters, yeah. skilled interpreters in the congregation. I think that if you have an interpreter, I think you probably risk it. I think, I think. And the reason being is that everyone is edified. How is everyone edified if someone just like, how is it? I don't know. Maybe because maybe it is you are. It's difficult because uh, the person who's speaking in tongues is edified that there was an interpretation for their tongue. Whereas the other way around, it's just prophecy to a specific individual or, you know, word. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. A prophetic word for the, the audience or individuals. So I, I think it's a great question. Uh, uh, Alicia Sawyer says, you know, how do you sign up for the e-course? There's a link in the video. I just put it in the comment section. So good. Well do that. done. E-course. Uh, E-course e just Come released on. this week. The free, free mini e-course. Go check it out. Uh, curious to Endorsed see. Endorsed by Craig Keener, Sam Storms, Jack, Jack Deere. Deere. Mike Bickle sent me an email as we were doing this video. He sent an endorsement. So uh, that'll be cool. Um, okay, so curious to see if you think that the gift of interpretation was used in Acts 2. I think we typically say that the gift of interpretation wasn't used because we have non-believers who are not exercising a gift of interpretation. They haven't yet received the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, they haven't received the That's promise right. of prophecy. So we assume that the the tongues that were being spoke were known human languages. Do any of you guys disagree with that? Uh, no, totally. And it says that they heard them speaking in their own language. So to me, I think what he's trying to say is because he lists their different nationalities, 
is that this was an earthly language understood not because they have a gift of interpretation, but because they spoke their own language. Yeah. But of course, the reasoning goes, well, maybe they heard it in their own language, but that's because the spirit was translating it for them. But Josh, I think your point is rock solid. They couldn't have had, if they're unbelievers, they couldn't have had the spiritual gift of interpretation. Now, there's a scholar out there who makes a case for this. J, J, R, is it? No, uh, it's, so... Robin Robin J. Williams is his name. I always have to think Robin Williams and I have to put the J in there somewhere. So Robin J. Williams is a charismatic scholar and he makes the case that the the gift was given not in the tongue speech, but in the hearing, right? Like the hearing is where the Mm -hmm. gift was given. Um, Yeah, that's what I was going after. His argumentation is going to be like the very thing that that Roundtree just described. Um, But he would make the case that like God gave, you know, kings of pagan kings of the Old Testament prophetic dreams and that would typically require the holy spirit in the new testament right he'll pour out dreams and visions you prophesy so can god just give tongues to a person who's an unbeliever could god give you know you know a a prophetic dream to someone like a pilot's wife is it possible sure i still think that there's a more exegetical evidence and i i hold the side that no the gift of interpretation wasn't given uh, it was a gift of tongues that they heard them speaking in their known languages. Uh, and I think this is another point. Someone mentioned in our, one of our last videos, oh, you can't say that tongues wasn't used for evangelism. Acts 2 was evangelism. Well, no. Acts 2 evangelism happened in the known language. Um, when Peter explained, he stood up on the Lord's day and said, here, oh, you know, all people of Israel, you know, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. That's when the evangelism took place or else he wouldn't have had to actually do that at all. He would have just spoken tongues consistently and then they would have all given their life to the Lord. But that's not what happened. They were speaking in tongues and it seems as if they were praising like these oracles of God. They were like, they were singing songs. They were worshiping God. They were maybe speaking, but speaking in like, God, you're wonderful. God, you're excellent. God, you're mighty. Mm -hmm. You're the creator of the universe. Like that was what their tongues was in someone else's language that drew the crowd and then the preaching took place when peter got up and called people to repentance that's that's when the evangelism took place so those are two you know things necessary to bring up any comments on that guys i, I can just run through some of these questions no, i think quick. that's good let's run to the next question okay i think i've heard you guys answer this uh this was the question oh wait uh you guys answered this question before uh where are we with worship leaders in the corporate assembly we did answer that one so i'll check that one off sorry i'm just running through these as i'm live uh have you ever heard of an interpretation given for something in uh, uh something in which nothing audible occurred like sign language or something i mean i al reaver uh one of the guys that i that discipled me back at at heartland classical pentecostal great dude um, he, he, uh, he's got hearing aids. My dad's got coculars, but he pastored a deaf church for a while and he speaks sign language and he prayed for a woman who is deaf, has no hearing. And when she spoke in tongues, it sounded exactly like when he spoke in tongues or anyone else, which he thought was a wild evidence because during that season he was questioning whether, um, if I recall the story correctly, I could be recalling it was a decade ago guys. Um, but wow. he was, he was wrestling with the idea that people were just fabricating tongues from someone else that they heard speaking in tongues, but this woman was legally deaf and could not fabricate the sounds that she was hearing from others. And I thought that was a wild confirmation. Um, so do, do you- this is uh, unrelated, sorry, but I thought you guys would find this interesting. One of my buddies, Alan, who's watching the show right now, just texted me. He was like, hey man, I saw this happen one night. Uh, he said that we were in Denver when you were praying over a missionary to Spain and, and then he names the person. Somebody else understood what I was saying and translated it in Portuguese. That's awesome. Kind of cool. I forgot yeah, all about that. That's cool. 
Uh, is it wrong to charge money for the gift of interpretation? I say yes. Yes. Yep. Miller Roundtree. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> and three yeses and a no from the Russian judge. No. Okay. Um, that's a that's a Olympics joke. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> with the one in, with the one interpretation, there, there I are know. people from watching this. I know. We love you. We, we love, love you. you but your judges people. are a little too strict. Okay. Um, <laughs> with one interpretation, uh, I know I've I've had. I still don't get interpretations every time someone speaks in tongues. Uh, that could just mean I had a little one-time revelation, but I'm uh, uh, undecided as of yet. What do you yeah, guys think about so this? I've seen this happen on numerous occasions, and I would say that sometimes it's not just the person practicing the interpretation. Sometimes it's the person speaking in tongues. In other words, there are varying degrees of maturity, even with the gift of tongues. Some people repeat the same phrase over and over again. They don't have a full language. And so, uh, and then also some people, when they speak in tongues, they get incredibly nervous. And instead of actually speaking freely uh, in that language, they'll kind of interject themselves because they'll be paying so close attention to what they're saying. Um, again, I don't have scriptural <laughs> explanations for any of this. This has just been my experience uh, where well, there's I mean, it makes sense. maturity like, in all we, gifts. Yeah, I mean, we we tend to think that if it's prophecy or tongues or any of these kinds of gifts, that it has to be perfectly mature from the very first moments ever given. But oh, teaching evangelism, every other gift, you can grow in maturity and you can get better in it. But but I would just ask, why do we put these gifts in categories uh, as as though they we grow in maturity for them? Uh, so I I would totally agree with you on this point. I would say that. When it comes to spiritual gifts, any believer could do any of them on any occasion, but those who are gifted do so proficiently. So uh, anyone could encourage on any occasion, but those who have the spiritual gift of encouragement are like, there's like a, a Holy Spirit anointing on mm -hmm. their words when they encourage people. But in fact, we're actually all called to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, as long as it's called today, the giving financially, it's a spiritual gift. We're actually all called to give though. Evangelism, spiritual gift. We're all called to evangelize. So you could move on any gift on any occasion. The fact that you interpreted tongues once could mean that you interpreted tongues once and that's it. Uh, it could mean that you're, you know, the Lord wants to give you that gift. And, uh, and so, you know, you really don't know, but what I would just say is eagerly desire it, pursue it, Ask the Lord for it, and uh, you might start to see that it increases uh, because spiritual gifts, you know, Paul tells Timothy uh, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So uh, if a spiritual gift is like a little spark, and there's another verse that says you can grow in your gifts, if it's like a spark, that spark can die out. But if we fan it, it can also grow. And so I would continue praying for it, maybe get a small group of friends, try to practice and uh, and just see where it goes. If the Lord doesn't give it to you, then you don't have the gift. But but maybe He will. So I think it's worth. So shot, someone worth was shot. in the comment saying like something. It sounded more satirical, but I can't find it, so I can't pull it up. But there's something like, "Hey, the Bible says that we all have a variety of different gifts. We all have different kinds of gifts. Am I? How is it exactly that all three of you have the gift of tongues? I would say that we all three probably have the gift of teaching, but no one ever is like, "Wait a second, you guys. I'm so skeptical that one of you guys might not have the gift of teaching. It's like." Oh, that's, it's a common gift. Like it yeah. happens, right? Uh, in fact, the Bible says few of you should be teachers, but no one questions the fact that we're teaching, right? That we can all teach. 
Uh, though I would say that our teaching is probably in varied degrees of of maturity. Uh, Michael and Michael both have decades of experience in the pulpit before I do. I mean, decades and decades and decades of experience. They're so so very old. Like more time um, in the pulpit than you have. Like Josh, years you got on more Earth. gray hair than both of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, yeah, they're both ten years older than I am. If you're if you're yeah, if you're all but like for the record, way. we do not for the, believe. For the record, we, I'm not saying like. Their fossils. It, what is coming? What he's coming after, though, is the the Pentecostal teaching that if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with this sort of second blessing experience, maybe you were saved years ago, but then you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. There's initial physical evidence you've been uh, that you can speak in tongues, and every believer can speak in tongues because every believer can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's Pentecostal theology. That's actually not our theology. Um, we believe that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Uh, Paul says we were all baptized into, in, uh, in one spirit into the body of Christ. So at the moment you uh, were placed in the body of Christ at conversion, that was the moment of your Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, Paul will go on in that same chapter to say, do all speak in tongues? He'll say, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all, or, or all teachers, do all speak in tongues? And the answer is no. So we don't believe God gives the gift of tongues to every believer. So uh, I think if you're trying to pigeonhole us, uh, not all charismatics, Pentecostals, can, not all continuationists uh, have the pr exact same doctrine on speaking in tongues. So we do not personally believe that everybody has the gift of tongues. However, I'd love for you to all pursue it and maybe God will give it to you. Yeah. Uh, we've had over 20 people speak in tongues in our church uh, for the first time just in the last two or three weeks. It's been really cool. In fact, one of them, uh, she was being prayed for after a service. There was a prophetic word like, hey, I thank the Lord's giving uh, the gift of tongues today. Uh, just come forward for prayer. Uh, and a woman named Kendra in our church prayed for some people. And, uh, and one woman, uh, she like had a trance, received the gift of tongues, and got deliverance all at the same time. It was mm -hmm. this really wild story. So uh, anyway, so pursue the gift of tongues. That's and the last thing I'm going to say. If, if Miller, let's say Miller or Roundtree didn't speak in tongues, we'd still do this show together. I don't, I don't think that they're, if they didn't have that gift, that they were any less Christian or any less qualified to teach or practice the gifts or teach on the gifts. Um, I don't think that you have to be a practitioner of all the gifts to be spiritually mature or that you even have all the gifts. I, I don't think that's the case either. So, um, but Miller people, is especially qualified to teach in Portugal. Probably, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I mean, we'll I would be trying I'd to plan to go, as many honestly. Portuguese missions trips as possible if I was you. <laughs> I'd be trying to, I'd try to use this thing all the time. Uh, yeah, I've always had a, a policy of I just go where I get invited. I've never yeah. tried to go anywhere other than that, but I've always wanted to go. <laughs> okay, so, so this curious. is if you know someone from Portugal or you're from Portugal watching this video right now, there's I'm an opportunity. Miller has been itching to go to Miller's Portugal, waiting. so make it happen. Or Brazil, for that matter. Or Yeah. They speak yeah Portuguese. Did I say Portugal? <laughs> Portugal? Yeah, go to Brazil is what I really meant to say. Okay. Well, um, they both uh, speak Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, they all speak Portuguese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, should we wrap this up? It's right We're at five o'clock. How many more questions yeah. we have? Uh, like four or five. Okay. We'll just, let's choose a couple more. Okay. Uh, how do you all first speak in tongues after impartation from another person or, or in the spirit can, it came on you. 
uh, or some other way? Like, how did you guys first speak in tongues? Someone prayed for me. I, I sought tongues for a long time, fasted, prayed, but I was also in a context where I wasn't filled with the spirit if I didn't speak in tongues. So I really pursued that thing hard. Uh, and then someone prayed for me one time and I spoke in tongues. It was like vomiting words the first time this way that I described it. Okay. Uh, for me, I was in, I was in college. I was exploring are the spiritual gifts for today. Uh, I was in a season where I was kind of like, it was a summer. It was in between jobs. Uh, it was like my, my job had kind of ended. I had like, uh, a few weeks before school was going to start. And so I had like tons of time. Uh, I, I know this sounds really holy. Uh, I, I spent like every day, like, I don't know. I just had this like intense hunger of like seeking the Lord. I was spending like all day, every day praying and reading my Bible for like three or four weeks and kind of toward the end of that. And I was just like, so just blown away. My Lord was just kind of blown. It was just like this really rich season with the Lord. And, uh, one day I was just worshiping and, uh, I was worshiping in English and then suddenly I wasn't worshiping in English. And, uh, and it even took me like a minute to realize it. So I wasn't trying to speak in tongues. I wasn't asking to speak in tongues. Tongues just came out in that moment. And, uh, and it was, yes, it was in a broader context of, I was exploring whether this, the gifts were for today. Um, but it was also in a context of, I was just like really hungry for more of God and, uh, seeking him. And I just started speaking in tongues. Mine, my experience was a bit different than everybody's. It was more of a progressive uh, growth and a gift as opposed to all of a sudden I was able to speak in this language. So I remember there was a point in time where I read about it and I thought, man, I'd really like to do that. And so I prayed, I said, God, would you give me this gift? And then I would start speaking. And I didn't know if it was gibberish or if I was making it up. And then, um, and then at a later point in time, somebody prayed for me to get the gift of tongues. Again, I tried to speak and you know, same thing, didn't know if I was making it up. Um, and then again, at another point in time, prayed uh, with somebody. And at that point, what I had said before began to get elaborated on, like where suddenly it was just a few phrases. Um, but then it suddenly became this just sort of full blown language. And the really thing that was the thing that was always sort of kept me hanging in there, that maybe what I was speaking actually was a gift, even if it was just a repeated phrase was that I would say the same words every time, though I would forget what I had said in the past. And so um, so there was like levels, like where at first it was just a repeated phrase that I would doubt and question. And then at some point it just took on a, um, I don't know how to explain it, a, a it just became a full language rather than a repeated phrase. So uh, here's and a, then, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say one more thing. Well, it's just that my, my wife's experience was different where, Somebody prayed over her in tongues, and she un, she had the gift of interpretation. Didn't know she had that gift. She just understood what that person was saying. Um, didn't even know that was a gift. And then it would be four or five years later before somebody would pray for her, and then she would also begin to speak in tongues. That's Which it. I think is wild because people who are like, "Hey, you know, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you can interpret tongues." you know, and not speak in tongues or pray for the sick and they get healed. It's like, dude, that's wild. Okay. Um, here's, here's, I think a really interesting one that I, I'd want your feedback on. Um, I have a friend who says when people pray in tongues, she sometimes gets pictures of what it means mm -hmm. versus a translation, verbal interpretation. Does that work? Is that a thing? I think that's a great question. <laughs> that's interesting because the picture is something to interpret also. <laughs> Right. right, like she gets an interpretation of an interpretation. I, I mean, it, it's like if if that 
if that is from God, it's like a breadcrumb trail. It's like, I'm going to give you the interpretation, <laughs> yeah. which itself requires interpretation, like how long can this thing go? Um, so I would say it's not the way I would expect it. Um, I, I would I, just say I've it's seen not the way happen. I would expect it. But if somebody came to me and said, I have that experience, I, I guess really the proof would be, is it accurate? Um, and if it seems to prove accurate, then, then maybe it's from God. I'd, I would be surprised if it's that way, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. I, I've I seen it happen where people in the room had an interpretation and someone had a picture and the picture lined up very similar with the interpretation. So at least the interpretation of that picture lined up with the interpretation of tongues. So I, it wouldn't mm -hmm. surprise me if God does give a, a vision to somebody or a picture when somebody's praying in tongues. Well, but I find this also true to be like when whatever we're seeking God or praying, um, it, whether it's in a normal English or in a tongue, oftentimes people get pictures and visions. That's kind mm -hmm. of normal. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say too, Miller, was uh, I was going to say whether it's me or somebody else speaking in tongues, I don't know. When I get into those kinds of environments, there's just yeah. a good chance I'm going to get a picture, a vision of some kind while that's happening. Um, I just kind of I've seen, I've seen you do that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you do that multiple times and given pretty accurate prophetic words to people. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, yep. well, that's probably a good place to stop. We've got more questions for sure. Um, but that probably is a good place to stop. We've gone over a little bit today and that's, that's unusual for us, but, uh, do you guys have any thoughts that you want to say before we close things up? I think I would just simply say, um, tongues is a gift. Interpretation is a gift. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So, uh, these are gifts from God, so we shouldn't treat them like a curse. And so I just want to appeal to the cessationists and the open but cautious crowd uh, who are watching this and say, why are you afraid of what God calls a gift? It's not a curse. It's a gift. And, yeah. uh, and I'll tell you why you might be afraid, because it's why I was afraid. It's just weird, man. It's weird. Yeah. It's the weirdest <laughs> yes, of all the gifts. Totally. Like I can explain... Now, I can technically explain tongues. I can point to the chapter and verse and say, here's what God says he's doing here. But it's still weird. But I, I just think we have to get past uh, an, uh, an exegesis of is it weird or not. Like we need something else on our discernometer because there's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible. I mean, yeah. just go read Ezekiel. I mean, it's just, it's weird. Pentecost is weird. Yeah. So we need a different uh, a different standard of measure than is it weird or not. How about, is it true or not? Is it biblical or not? And I think you're really hard pressed to try to prove that, well, tongues isn't biblical, even though it's all over the Bible, like especially the New Testament. And, uh, and of course it has its roots in Tower of Babel. Uh, that's a whole nother story. So this is like an Old Testament, New Testament, like there's a story going on here, a gospel story. And if we just try to take tongues out of the picture because it's really weird or say, well, it was just for back then. Uh, I, I just think we're, we're reading our fear into the new Testament and that's just a bad thing to do. Don't be afraid of what God has called a gift. Amen. Miller. Miller. Uh, I would say pursue it. They're all really good. And if you don't interpret, ask for it. I think it's one of the most neglected gifts out there. And, I personally have found so much value in it. So the people I know of who've experienced it. So um, please pray for these gifts. Pray for all of them. The body desperately needs them. And uh, yeah, we want Amen. as much of God on this side of the resurrection as we can get. Yeah, and we believe that uh, when we talk about training in the gifts, and this is something that some people don't quite understand when we talk about training in the gifts, 
And we've been using that phrase a lot. We just released a mini e-course talking about some of this a little bit. When we say training in the gifts, I, I hope what people hear us saying is like, if I'm going to train you in tongues, I am not saying that I'm going to sit you down and say, repeat after me, you know, shit about a Honda, but about a Kia, right? Like I'm not going to ask you to repeat phrases. That's not what I say when I'm teaching or discipling you or training you in the gifts of the spirit. What I'm saying in training is I'm going to go to a biblical text that says when prophecy takes place, this is how it should be exercised. We certainly told a lot of stories in this video. We gave personal experiences in this video, but we aren't saying our personal experience is the normal norm. We're saying the scripture and the scripture alone should be the thing that you build your doctrine off of. And if the scriptures say that one is to prophesy and the others are to to interpret that prophecy, and if there's no interpreter, then the, the, the one speaking tongue is to remain silent. We're saying, okay, that's what the text says. Now, how do we then apply that to our life? And we're talking about our own experiences and how it's applied to our life. So when we talk about these training and discipling in the gifts, the same thing goes for teaching, right? We're teaching you how to teach effectively in evangelism. We're teaching you how to evangelize effectively. Uh, we're, we're giving the biblical prescriptions and principles in those things. So when we talk about training in the gifts, I, I don't want people thinking that we're saying, hey, come here, repeat after me, you know, you know, try to try to, you know, conjure something that, that is not at all what we were talking about. And, and there has been a mischaracter of us in the past because people watch a single video and then don't watch all of them in context. So that's probably worth mentioning as well. Uh, without further ado, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this program. We're crowdfunded. If you want to support the channel, there are links in the description for that. But at the very bottom of the video, there is that free mini e-course. You might want to check that out. It's pretty dope. Uh, we put a little bit of work into that, but we have other e-courses that we're going to be launching man, next week and, and, and further, that should be quite exciting for many of you. 117 videos. And like we said earlier, that big one is being endorsed by guys like Mike Bickle, guys like uh, uh, Sam Storms, uh, Jack Deere, Craig Keener. I mean, it's a, it's a big charismatic training discipleship program that uh, it's going to bless your socks off. So uh, we put a lot of work into it. So maybe check out that free mini e-course for now. Uh, kind of get a feel for how that program works. It would be uh, of huge benefit to you guys. Links in the description. Blessings. See you next time, Monday through Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. And next week, we're going to be in Oklahoma. So we'll all be together. It'll be fun. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.